guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the SoCal Watch Reviews Podcast. I am Miguel. This is episode 74. P. Ross, how's it going? Good morning. It's going. It's going. Episode 74. We are in the building and we are ready to get lit. Absolutely. So customary, we we, we have another guest. But this time... Yes. We brought somebody good so i hope you guys enjoy it because we are super excited p ross yes p. Ross. yes first of all we have a gentleman okay mm-hmm. this guy is the co-founder and ceo of christopher ward okay mm-hmm. you heard that right christopher you understand? Ward. christopher yep. ward one of the great watch brands that's around today and forever of course so let's get into it. We got Mike France in the building. Let's get it. Mike. Let's get it. Hi, guys. That's quite some introduction. I don't normally get introduced as well as that, so thank you. <laughs> hey, um, it's just it's just what we do, you know. It's what we no, do. It, it really <laughs> is what we do. We're we're kind of known in the in the podcast world or YouTube world for having some of the best intros. I can never do that. I'll probably sound so monotone and, and boring introducing you. But so, my man P. Ross and he has that covered. So. Good job, P. Ross. Good job. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. So, Mike, we actually forgot to ask you. So, before we started recording, you asked us where we're recording from. So, Southern California and P. Ross in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. Where are you uh, coming from? I'm uh, speaking to you from my home in um, a village called Bledlow, which is a small, ancient village in the Chiltern Hills. Um, in Buckinghamshire, in England. Mm, wow. Okay. And cool. here I am just in California. <laughs> 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 oh, well, thank you so much for taking the, the time to uh, come and, and, and speak to us. Obviously, we you know this gets, got set up through uh, one of your employees or assistant, um, Rosie. If she's watching, listening, thank you so much for setting this up. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. And before we, we get to the questions, everything, I am really curious to see what you're wearing. I keep, keep when we were talking, I keep seeing you kind of raise your arm and I'm, yeah. I'm curious what, uh, what watch you're wearing. Uh, t- today I'm wearing, um, the C65 super compressor. It's beautiful. In ocean blue, mm. which we that launched is... uh, last September, um, oh. which is the, the first genuine super compressor in 50 years. Mm, that is nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. One of my, one of my, one of my very favorite watches. Yeah. Mm. Looks awesome. Looks beautiful. P. Yeah. Ross. Uh, Seiko 5 SNK uh, 789 with straps code Croc strap on it. Classic, nice. classic. Today I have a watch on that I don't think anybody's really reviewed or talked about, and I'm excited. They're actually here in California. It's a really, really small brand. It's called, let me make sure I get it right, Atheros, and that's a Greek that means partner. It's the Mission 71, so it's a dive style uh, yeah. watch, crazy watch. But the cool thing about this watch, and and the reason I wanna I wanna make a review, and I'm partnering up with with the brand owner Dan, is because 20% of the proceeds are gonna go to the to save the oceans. So I'll go into that when, once I do the review. But I thought that was very noble. And there is nothing online about this brand. He's, he's mm. a small, young brand um, here in California. So I, I thought it was uh, fitting for me to wear this and just kind of give him a little bit of uh, a shout out, if you will. And then also, uh, I never wear this T-shirt, but another fellow YouTuber, I don't know if you guys could see it, 
it's the Speedmaster. It's a Speedy. It was given to me as a T-shirt, just a gift arrived in the mail. Uh, uh, this girl named Eve, she runs a YouTube channel and an Instagram account by the name of Alias Steve Dan. She's really cool, super supportive. She always watches the podcast, listens to the podcast, comments on everything I do. So I figured I'd wear the T-shirt she gifted me and, and you know, um, just shout out to, to Eve. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So... Mike, everybody knows Christopher Ward. I, I'm sure all the watch enthusiasts um, watching, listening, they, they know about your brand. They know who you are. But uh, why don't we talk about you as a person? So what personally got you into watch collecting? Um, this, which is um, wow, birthday present that my parents gave me on my 21st birthday, which is a Tissot C-Star 7 automatic. Wow. And, uh, and uh, that's a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> At least six or seven years ago since I was 21. Right, right. That, now, um, I, may, I may be wrong about this. Is that the one with the Omega movement in it? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay. Wow. Okay. I think it's off camera, yeah. Mike. Can you put it more towards the middle yeah. so we can see that beauty? Wow. Look yeah, at that. That is nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is well so taken that, care that of, was, Mike. That was my first proper watch. Yeah. I was actually looking at one of those on eBay, but I lost. So <laughs> is that right? Yeah. I lost a bit. Pretty sure I well, did. Well, this is now more than 40 years ago, and uh, mm. it's still uh, still working beautifully. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nice. So that got you into watch collecting, and then from there, did it start an obsession for you, or, or was it fair to say? Uh, it, just it, kinda... it was a slow burn, Miguel. Um, um I got um, more latterly. I got into um, I got into IWC. Oh, mm. um, and um, you know things like um, things like their uh, Mark Fifteen. Uh, I became a bit obsessed about that, um, but it wasn't really until we um, we started uh, Christopher Ward that uh, the obsession turned into uh, multiple watches of. Uh, oh wow, that's okay. interesting. So before hmm. then, you were just kind of like a casual watch. I was, I was, I, was, I loved watches. Um, I, I would buy them occasionally. But I wouldn't call myself an obsessive. Um, and then when you enter the watch industry, in whatever form, you guys are a part of the industry. Yeah. Um, then it uh, something grabs you about it, doesn't it? And um, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you can't be in this industry for very long without becoming quite obsessed about it. Hmm. Wow. I think you're so, right. I, so I don't, I don't know if you really want to talk about this, but what does your collection look like now? Um, it's mainly Christopher Ward. Right. Of course, of <laughs> course, makes of, sense, course yeah. of course, of course, of <laughs> course. Um, but often very, um, very unusual ones. So one of my very favorite watches, um, which uh, I've got here, which is. Uh, one of very few sector watches. We did a sector watch about um, 12 years or so ago. Never um, seen that before. Sec sec sector watches based on the, um, the clocks that uh, were used by the Royal Air Force during the Second World War. Oh, okay. Um, to time um, the approach of enemy aircraft. Uh, very famous, wa very famous clock in, um, in, in British wartime history. And uh, we just, um, wanted to reflect it in a watch so we turned it into a watch which uh, we did a limited edition of which is uh, and this is um 
This is serial number one, which I, I actually um, won in an auction. So I, I bid for this watch. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I really, uh, we'd sold out. I didn't have one. Um, it, came, it came to auction. So I, I, I entered the auction bid for it and won it. Um, and uh, that's one of my, uh, my favourite watches. Cool. That's a, that's Ooh, a nice. Yeah, that's it's nice. different. I never I never really seen that, but uh, yeah. yeah, I notice not people have not many people have. I notice everything you you've been pulling out. All your all your watches are in leather straps. You're more of a leather strap kind of guy. As opposed uh, I'm, to... I'm I'm yeah. I mean, um, as you know, um, people tend to go one of two routes, don't they? Um, you're either yeah. a bracelet guy or you're you're a strap guy. Primarily, I'm a strap guy. But I, I'm, you know, I, I have the uh, I have the um, the occasional bracelet. So um, die watches, um, I quite like on bracelets. Um, and I think we're going to be talking about it later. The new Sealander collection, um, which is uh, yeah. about to be released, um, uh, that really suits a bracelet. So I shall be wearing that on a bracelet. But but probably eighty percent of my uh, my watches, I tend to go down the strap route. I'm I'm curious. Do you do you have any Casios in the collection? Casios, obviously, near and dear to both P. Ross and oh, myself yeah. since we were, we were kids. I, 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 I'm afraid. I, I perhaps I perhaps should lie and say I do. I've got dozens of them, but they're they're over there to the right and just out of reach. But that wouldn't be true. I, I don't own a single Casio. I think I did. I'm fine. I know I did um, back in the late '70s. Yeah, before oh, you wow. guys uh, probably were born. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, I was—I think I was born late seventies. Yeah, I was man. around. I was around. You were was around. Please hear it. Uh, and I'm—I like many people. I had a, a Casio uh, at that time um, because they were—they're um, pretty cool now, of course. But uh, they were the sort of uh, one of the leading lights of the, the sort of the, the quartz revolution, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Mm. And obviously Seiko, we can't forget Seiko. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. Seiko, I'm a great, um, I'm a great admirer of um, everything Seiko do. Uh, uh, particularly the Grand Seiko, um, which I think has they've elevated Grand Seiko to a, an incredibly high level now. I think um, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, no, Grand Grand Seiko definitely next level, uh, and 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 it, and it's cool that they're getting the respect from obviously the CEO of uh, or you know, CEO and, 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 uh, co-founder of, uh, Christopher Ward. So you heard it here first. So re- oh, yeah. getting, re- giving, uh, uh, Grand Seiko some props. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. They yeah, deserve it. So, uh, most of us has heard the story of how the company was founded back in 2005 mm-hmm. with the help of your friend, Peter and CW yeah. was the first ever online watch brand. Can yeah. you elaborate on more of the origin story and how it feels to be a pioneer in the industry as far as online sales go? Sure. Um, Peter and I had um, we recently sold um, a business that we, we owned um, called Early Learning Center, which was quite a large um, educational toys business in the UK and across the world. Um, and after a month... Um, I was pretty bored, um, and um, we'd, we'd grown. Um, this was around. We sold it in April, two thousand and four. By May, early June, we were wanting to do something else. Um, we built a pretty 
big online business already in toys and people people have been saying you'll never sell big climbing frames and kids toys online and we had so we knew that the the world of online was growing um and when you look to start another business or any business it's best that you try and find something that you love and enjoy doing and so we loved brands we loved retailing uh, and we love watches so to put all those things together um, was seemed an obvious thing to do um, we had a view that the um, it was going to get tougher in bricks and mortar and that the world was headed online so we thought well let's let's why don't we start a uh, an online watch brand even though we knew nothing about the industry at all um, but we knew about we knew about online and we believed it was going to get bigger. So we decided, right, we know about online, we don't know about watches, let's go and find out about watches. And we were very lucky that we had people we knew who were in the watch industry. Um, we'd been in the watch industry in very early days. Um, one, uh, one, one good friend, a guy who um, ended up running, he was Taiwanese-Chinese, uh, he ended up running Adidas's second largest clothing retailer in um, in china but when he was a young man he had um he had wanted to be a watchmaker hmm. and he'd gone across to back in the 60s um, the swiss industry took 32 people mainly of asian origin hmm. but not entirely they took 32 people into Switzerland to teach them the dark arts of horology and watchmaking. Mm. And Woody was one of them. And um, he had intended to become, a, um, and they, there were 32 of them. They became known as the class of 32. They only ever did it once, the Swiss, because many of these guys came out of um, Switzerland and the training and set up businesses in competition with, uh, with the Swiss mm. brand. <laughs> so they never did it again. Um, but Woody, um, was hoping to set up his own watch brand, but then his father died. His father owned a big textile company in Taiwan. He was the eldest son. Therefore, he took over the textile business, which grew to be this huge, many thousands of people. And he employed many thousands of people in, uh, in central China, um, but always kept an interest in watches. And when we would, I was in the fashion industry um, at the time, as was Chris, and we would be negotiating with uh, Woody on occasion. And he would, in those negotiations, he'd take his watch off. He would get his tools. He would take the back of his the back plate off his watch and he mm -hmm. would regulate his watch in the middle of a negotiation about T-shirts. Wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, so we knew that Woody knew a lot about this was to put us off. It uh, probably succeeded as well, but you never know. So we knew Woody knew a lot about watches. And anyway, we, we contacted him when we decided to set up a watch brand. And we, what we didn't know is that Woody had kept A, in touch with all of the class of 32. And mm -hmm. Some of these guys now were running you know, the, the, the Asian... Um, officers for some very large Swiss brands. They'd become very senior in the watch industry. Mm. And because they were friends of Woody, we were then invited to meet some of them. 
before we'd even set up Christopher Ward and we were given an insight into what went on in behind the scenes in a watch business, including some of the cost prices and where all of the components came from. And so we were absolutely astonished that many of the famous Swiss watch brands that we had been drooling over, looking through uh, for many years, all use the same componentry, uh, often use the same factories. Although they were Swiss made, they were making cases in China. They were making yep. bracelets in China. Yeah? And so we thought, well, uh, and the movements at that stage, uh, even uh, ETA movements were proper Swiss made ETA movements were being, you were able to buy through China. That's right. So we were sort of surprised that this was the case, but decided that, and, and not only that, but that we could access all of these components. So we decided to go online. We now knew we could access some amazing componentry. We had met and were able to use some really great manufacturers. And so we decided that what we would do is we'd go online, be the first watch brand to go online and in addition instead of applying up to and this is absolutely true we found one swiss watch brand because we were given access to pricing we found one very famous watch brand that i will not mention <laughs> but the cost price let's say it was a hundred bucks yeah okay they were selling it for three thousand four hundred mm. yeah it's all because of the brand right <laughs> yeah all because of the brand right. now a brand can have um, equity and it can have a, a premium. We all know that. That's what brands are for. Yeah. That's why, why we're all in. But 34 times, um, we thought that was a bit naughty. So we decided that we would um, set out to only apply a three times margin. So three times the cost price, which nobody else in the watch industry has ever done before. And that meant that we were able to launch our very first watch, the C5 Mulvan Automatic, including an ETA 28242 uh, with 316L stainless steel, really lovely watch, at a price that nobody had ever seen in watchmaking before. And then we got lucky, because you, you do need luck. Um, I think, you know, uh, we're just very lucky. And I think many people who, who end up having successful careers are met most often they've been lucky. <laughs> but we got lucky because we were advertising this watch. The sales were very slow. I mean, we were, we were you know, this is 2005, you know, things, were, things were slow. And then they started picking up. We had no, I mean, apart from us being marketing geniuses, we had no idea why people were buying this C5 Malvern Automatic from across the world. Suddenly we were getting orders from, the US, from you know, South Africa, from Australia. We had no idea why. And then just after Christmas, um, a guy, a Dutch guy, a guy called Hans van Hoogstraten, okay. contacted us, phoned up. Would we like him to set up a forum devoted to Christopher Ward? And we said, well, yeah, sounds like a great idea. Why would you want to? Why would you want to do that? You know, I mean, we've only just started. You know, he said, right. "Do you not know? Do you know? Do you, have you no idea what? You, do you know what's going on?" We went, "No." He said, "Ah." He said, um, "So, well, I've just been kicked off um, a forum called Time Zone 
Mm. And uh, because they think you're paying me to write about your watch. <laughs> uh, we, we've never come across you. Uh, you. Yeah, I know that, says Hans. But there's a guy who lives in Tasmania, a chap called Dave Malone, who had seen our advert for the watch and believed that we must be lying, that we couldn't possibly be selling that quality of watch <laughs> at the price we were selling that. So he bought one. So we shipped it to Tasmania. He's a lecturer at the university in Tasmania, or he was then. Shipped this watch unknowing you know, to, right. to Dave Malone. He was going to expose us. Oh, when wow. he got the watch, he was going to open. He was a, he was a you know, well-known poster on Time Zone, knew about watches, a bit like you guys, knew his watches. You know? Took the back plate off. He was going to expose us as clearly a Chinese copy. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. And to his you know, to our fortune and to his credit, he realized that this was genuine. And then he posted this amazing post on Time Zone, which in 2004, guys, was the biggest forum uh, about watches in the world. Mm. And so just before Christmas in 2005, just a few months after we'd started, people, he, he posted this, um, this, uh, this, this post about us saying he thinks he's found the best value luxury watch in the world and it's from this brand no one's ever heard of christopher ward and just before christmas as a result of him making that post christopher ward five months old christopher ward yeah is being talked about on the world's biggest watch forum more than rolex wow wow but the moderator a guy called michael sander who we didn't know but we do now Michael thought we would, be, we must be paying all it, and then loads of people started buying them because of Dave Malone's post. People, wow. that's why we were getting these orders from across the world because people reading Dave Malone, highly respected, yeah, saying this is the best value watch in the world. So, cool. people like Hans van Hoogstraten started buying them. They then sort of um, Michael Sanders started banning them because he thought we were. Do you know the the, the in 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 poker there's a phrase called shilling. Mm-hmm. You know this, yeah. Mm-hmm. So a shill is somebody who's in the in the in the in the game, who's who's cheating, yeah. Right. So it's become in internet terms to be a shill is 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 it's a bit like fake news. It's a bit like fake news. Yeah. So we must be paying, yeah. But we didn't even know this was going on. Um, so um, incredibly, you know, that piece of luck started us off really. And Hans van Hoogstraten. So we said, yeah, you can set up a forum by all means, but, you know, it's independent. We're, you know, you, you can say what you like about it. Uh, he set it up. For 10 years, he ran it. He funded it entirely himself. Wow. In 10 years later, it had thousands and thousands of members. It's still going. We, he then had enough of it. We bought it off him for a very small amount of money. He, was, he just sort of you know, wanted it to continue but we don't have any editorial involvement. So we just allow it to run. You can post whatever you like about us, good, bad, indifferent, yeah? Um, And that's become another vehicle for people to find out about Christopher Ward, a very important vehicle. And so the Christopher Ward brand, although it was the first first online um, watch retailer and watch brand, couldn't actually have existed without the internet. And, uh, wow. and word of mouth, as you all know, is, um, is the most powerful form of marketing. And we were very lucky 
that these guys spread. We call it, they spread the ward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, across the world. folks. Clever. Spread the ward. I like that. <laughs> and and YouTube wasn't even a, a, a thing back then, right? I mean, no, 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 not, not like no. it is now. No, now right. it's crazy, right? I mean, you not could have this. You could have this YouTuber, not us, because I mean we're small, but you could have these big YouTubers say something, and all of a sudden, uh, everybody just goes, "Let's go buy that," you know. So that's yeah, the power yeah. of the internet is insane man it's insane it is it is really so i wasn't going to ask you this because i know you you've mentioned mentioned it before you know in 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 different interviews or whatever but people have asked you so christopher ward who is christopher ward and and what's the meaning of it but i know i I think it's a a, a fictionary no 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 there were three no no not at all there were three of us me peter and chris ward chris ward um Chris, Chris, Chris had been a, a friend of mine for oh. um, 20, 20, 20 odd years, and uh, we founded we founded the company. I came up with the idea for the company on his boat. Um, oh. About four weeks mm. after Peter and I had sold Early Learning Center, so uh, and then we were looking for a name for the the the, the, the brand, and we had we came up with um, MPC, Mike oh, Peter, okay. Chris. But that was a bit like IWC. Um, right. We came up with um, the um, uh, Peter and my wife's maiden names, Fennel and Wurzwick. But that sounded a bit mm. Dickensian, yeah. <laughs> sort of bit bit seventeen eighty. Um, um, but we wanted it to be something real. So I suggest, um, and therefore one of our names. Well, Mike Franz for an English watch brand isn't particularly a great name for an English watch brand, and it doesn't scan that well. Peter Ellis is a bit dull, but Christopher Ward has a really great yeah. scan. Yeah, sounds yeah? great. Yeah. Yeah. Has a great scan, and it's a very English name. So we said, right, we were going to call it after you, Chris. Um, and uh, he, Chris, has been uh, was uh, along for the ride until a couple of years ago when he left. Um, and so uh, there's always there was the three of us until uh, until uh, 2019, and now there's two of us left clearly i did not do my research and i apologize (laughs) i I don't know where i heard and i was like oh christopher ward and and for whatever reason i just thought it wasn't like a real person but apparently i was completely wrong and i admit that (laughs) but yeah i i I think it has a great sounding name first time i i I heard a christopher ward i was like oh it sounds like a nice brand (laughs) what what is that Uh so it has a a nice uh, nice tone to it like you said you know um so that that's cool and i i know another thing we weren't going to talk about but i think we need to address because we've personally have um, criticized if if you will is like the logo and the logo placement and how you guys yeah, kind of yeah. changing right. things around but I, I think now it's fair to say that you guys kind of settled on a on a logo right yeah i mean uh we uh yeah people talk about it being disruptive but it certainly creates um conversation which is not a bad yeah. thing um, we've always used um, when we. Th- there are three elements to the logo. There is the left aligned, where we and we use that probably in the majority of watches where mm-hmm. we think the balance looks better. Uh, but we've always had a twelve o'clock version, um, which we've used on a number of watches where we think that uh, that also works best. Um, and we also um, with a collect our motorsport collection um, that we introduced. We went um, what I call uh, swoosh only. You know? So the, the twin flags logo that we have, which represent England and Switzerland, because 
we obviously have, uh, although we're a British brand, an English brand, we have our atelier in uh, in yeah. in Switzerland. So to represent those two uh, countries, um, we created um, the, the twin flag logo, which um, always sits um, primarily on the crown of our watches, but also uh, is embossed often at 12 o'clock um, okay. as well. Um, one day when it's right, um, I think Chris Ford may well have its own Nike swoosh, swoosh only moment because I'd love us to, um, at the right time, just go with the twin flag logo. That's okay. cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. Okay. Uh, it's clean, right? But uh, but you need to get to that to yeah. stage where you're recognizable, and obviously, all of us watch guys will definitely recognize it, you know. But uh, I think you're getting there. I mean, since uh, 2005, yeah, you've been around. Yeah, yeah it's a timing yeah. issue. So uh, maybe maybe soon. Who knows? Who knows? You heard it here first. <laughs> right, oh, yeah. B. Ross? That's right. So how, how involved are you in the watch design when it mm. comes to actually designing That's a great watch? question. Um, very, uh, very involved. The, we have, um, we're very lucky to have um, some fantastic watch designers. Um, one of the greatest young Swiss watch designers works for us, um, a guy called Adrian Buckman, who came over to the UK six years ago to work with us uh, and uh, we also have um, Will Brackfield who, uh, who, who, is, who works with Adrian on, on design and we also have the engineering teams uh, primarily in Switzerland. Um, in terms of the creation of, uh, of a watch, um, the, the idea for a watch can come from almost anywhere and any, anybody. Um, it can sometimes be a um, yeah, a, a, a almost scientific analysis of the market and the gaps in the market and where we aren't and where we could be, um, and then we we work up um, we work up the designs that fit that gap in the market. Mm. Or sometimes it can be as simple as um, somebody wakes up in the morning with a great idea and uh, wants to share it, and we all think it's a great idea, and we go right. off and make a watch. Um, but the the new product development, I I, I lead the new product development team. Um, and okay. uh, it's a constant, you know, we're, we're constantly working on any number of watch designs at any moment in time. At the moment, we're, we're looking to 2022, three, and even 24 at the moment wow. in terms of where mm. we're looking. Um, um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm heavily involved and I, I, I have the privilege um, sometimes uh, it seems like a privilege um, of, um, of, you know, I sign, I sign off all of the designs. So at the end of the day, oh, that's cool. uh, it's, it's down to me if it goes in the collection or not. Um, so it's, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. It's, it's my fault. That's cool. That's cool. No, that's cool. That's cool. So one of the, one of the big questions that we've asked is to other brand owners and they, they have their own version of what they think, um, the, the answer is right so the question that we've asked is you know what makes up a, a micro brand and what makes up an independent brand so to me and personally um it, it definitely is scale right because depending on how many watches you're selling uh reputation maybe that's another one but that's pretty much all i got i don't i don't know we, we've discussed you know p ross and i have mm -hmm. had many smaller brands on on the podcast and 
we always feel kind of weird. Is it, are they an independent? Are they a um, micro brand? So obviously you've been around since uh, 2005. So we don't consider you obviously a micro brand because you're of your scale. Mm -hmm. But uh, why don't you tell us, what do you, what do you consider a micro brand and independent? And furthermore, if you're comfortable, how do you categorize uh, Christopher Ward? Um, I agree with you, Miguel. I mean, um, to a large extent, I think uh, scale determines um, uh, whether a brand is, is micro or not. And the name itself suggests um, scale. Uh, but it also, I think, uh, and, you know, um, I think we wouldn't describe, or we don't describe ourselves as a micro brand. Um, we're just a watch brand now. I mean, I'm, at the moment, I think we're probably in volume terms. Um, there's about um, there are about 400 plus um, Swiss watch brands. Um, in volume terms, uh, on the mechanical um, watch front, we probably rank somewhere around 35 at the moment. So we're, we're, we're respectable. We're, we're yeah we're uh, we're, we're not respectable. We're not Rolex, um, but we're um, but we're, we're doing okay. Um, um, <laughs> And people do talk of us, um, I think, as the granddaddy of, uh, of, of micro brands because I suppose yeah. to some extent uh, we pioneered that approach. But I do think, um, you know, um, it's, it's, I, would, I would hate us to lose the sort of hunger um, of micro brands. Um, I think Jeff Bezos of, um, of Amazon um, says, you know, the day they, you know, that he, they, he wakes up every day and thinks of them as a startup. <laughs> wow, um, and I think if you can, if if you are always thinking about yourself as a starter, you keep kind of an energy level and a focus and hunger. And I think um, one of the great things uh, about the watch industry at the moment is, is with the, with the plethora of, uh, of micro brands that have entered, there's this kind of energy, uh, an infusion of energy into the into the industry, and. Um, you know, I think energy and uh, an attitude is important. And so I'd like to think that we still have some of that, um, uh, even if we're in scale terms, no longer considered a, a microbrand. So I, th I hope we think like a microbrand and keep that freshness about us. That's a great answer. Cool. Um, and any other microbrand uh, or smaller brands uh, listening to this, I mean, this is inspirational. And, and you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, you got to keep that hunger and you got to keep just your, your head down, just keep grinding it out and, and be passionate about it, you know, and, and it truly reflects. I mean, yeah, I mean, every time I look at your your watches or new releases, I, I could I could see the passion that goes into it. It's not like you're resting on your laurels, <laughs> Rolex, but um that's a whole other that's a whole the other shade. discussion the shade man i'm telling you it's, yeah. just, it's so sorry to deviate it's just disappointing you know, as a watch lover and watch collector that these guys could do the most minute you know change on their watches and people go nuts and they're sold out and they're being sold on the secondary uh, market for crazy prices i don't get it i just really uh, don't get it <laughs> That's an interesting one, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, I, I guess you guys were a bit disappointed with the Explorer 2, the recent... Uh... Oh, my God. Are you yeah. kidding me? It's like 50th yeah. anniversary. You would expect something. And, and what do they give us? Oh, man. <laughs> it, it, it hasn't stopped an awful lot of people writing uh, very long articles about it, though. <laughs> 
Yeah, and they keep getting right. that's the whole thing. It's like they they keep getting the momentum and they keep riding this hype, and it's just it's it's crazy. And in my opinion, and I've said it before, and you you probably never heard mm-hmm. me say it, but I prefer Omega. If I'm being honest, I prefer Absolutely. Omega over Absolutely. Rolex. If I'm being why, honest, why 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 do you why do you prefer Omega? Just out of interest. So yeah, absolutely. So number one, Heritage. I mean, they they've been around longer than Rolex has, mm-hmm. and not only that, they they actually do make an effort to put new things out and be innovative, and they speak to the collectors. Rolex can care less. Like they just don't. You know, they they just do whatever's best for them. And Omega, right. I feel, caters more towards. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're core audience or not their core audience, but they're, they're, they're fans, you know what I mean? And they're attainable and they're, I don't want to say affordable, but you could get one if you want one, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, no, I, I, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and, then, and, and, and I think, um, to Omega's credit, um, the fact that they, um, they took on board, uh, George Daniels as, um, coaxial escapement. And now the coaxial escapement is in right. you know, the majority of their watches, um, and certainly most of their new launches um, for the last X number of years. When the Swiss watch industry, George actually uh, took that to um, to protect Philippe first, and they, you know, they they wouldn't run with it because it was outside of their frame of reference. Mm. Uh, but there's no question that. Um, the coaxial escapement is, in my view, and not just my view, in the view of many people, um, um, in, you know, great watch experts, including a friend of mine, Roger Smith, um, who took on, took over from George and has now developed the coaxial to a whole new level of expertise. But the coaxial escapement um, inside a movement makes that movement um, superior to any other watch with a lever escapement in it yeah uh, um, and the reason for that is is no is, is no more complicated than uh, for watchers and for watchmakers um, for all of us the the enemy of watchmaking is lubrication yeah when you have to put lubricants into into any mechanical piece whether it's a watch or a car or anything mm-hmm. what that's to do with is friction yeah right um and of course friction um and then the need to lubricate um those areas of friction reduces over time the efficiency of the engine or the piece or the piece of mechanical engineering and the beauty about the coaxial escapement is that it massively reduces the friction right it's not. It's now no longer under patent, yeah. But incredibly, the Swiss watch industry have not adopted it. Um, so, um, so there's. Uh, so I, I'm a great fan of Omega, if not for no other reason than they were the ones who had the, the insight and the, the balls, frankly, to go and take, take that George Daniels escapement and uh, and, and 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 make it mainstream. And they moved watchmaking on enormously as a result of that. I, I think also uh, why I like Omega and think, really think they're better than Rolex. They've had better moments in history as, mm. far, as, uh, as far as the Moonwatch. I mean, mm-hmm. think about the Bond movies, right? I know Rolex they had little sprinkles in there, but <laughs> not like Omega. You know what I mean? And not only that, I, 
I think as far as vintage watches go, Omega has the best vintage collection, along with Timex, along with Timex vintage yeah. pieces ever. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're being slightly harsh on on Rolex. I mean, you know, Edmund Hillary, <laughs> Edmund Hillary did um, wear the um, wear the Rolex to the top of Mount Everest, and um, right, so right, right. They've had they've had a few moments. You're right. They, um, they, but uh, Omega, I think, is you know. Because I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, they 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 both they're both great brands. I'd say for yeah. me, yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I think we're just all hating on Rolex just because they. They've oh, become yeah. so unattainable, to be honest with you, that to the regular watch collector like ourselves, it's just like we don't have that it's, kind it's of money marketing. to be. It's all marketing bullshit. I mean, it's just, yeah. um, it's just that it's a very clever marketing scenario uh, to keep prices elevated. Um, it's that old trick of uh, of opening a nightclub and having nobody nobody inside, but having a queue outside, isn't it? You know, um, everybody yeah. wants to get in, even though there's no one inside. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I, I don't agree with it at all um uh, but I, I i having said that one one of the things um that i would say about rolex is um their investment in um, the sort of machinery that's required to make excellent watches is beyond anything anybody else in the industry has ever done i don't know if you guys have ever had the chance of visiting uh, Rolex or, see, or even being outside of the Rolex uh, factories um, in, in, in Biel or Geneva. Um, but, but it is astonishing how much they've invested. And there's no question that in terms of, because um, hardly, hardly a hand touches a Rolex watch. These are completely machine-made watches. You know? um, outside of that sort of handmade, a lot of people think Rolex must be, you know, because they're Swiss, they must be handmade, and uh, the human hand never touches a Rolex. It's all automated. They've invested so much, but because of that, a bit like a um, you know uh, um, one of the benefits of, um, of 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 automation is that the tolerances can be finer, right? Yeah? And yeah. tolerances to the level of um, of exactitude that uh, the Rolex employ means that their watches and their movements are incredibly, incredibly precise. Um, more precise than virtually any other watch, even at multiple times the cost of a Rolex. So if you're looking for high quality, high performance, yeah, um, Rolex is your man. Yeah? That, that's yeah. your brand. Yeah? Um, Absolutely. But yeah. uh, but uh, but yeah, the marketing of them and the, um, the, the the bullshit that goes along with it not not for me, thank you. Yeah, no, I I agree. But but segueing into we're talking about movements. Uh, back in 2014, you guys did something remarkable, right? So I'm I'm gonna butcher the name, so I'll let you say it. But we all know <laughs> that developing your in-house movement is is very expensive and close to impossible. All these smaller brands even dream of one day maybe being in that position but you partnered up with somebody called Johannes Janka well Johannes worked for us uh, he was working with us he created um, a number of uh, JJ calibers for us uh, which were modules on top of proprietary movements the um, the jumping hour um, for instance the the, the moon phase um, but a while back um, we'd um, 
sort of um, known that uh, at the time there was a lot of concern that um, ETA, for instance, the Swatch Group, was going to mm. limit the supply yeah. of movements to the industry. Uh, that never happened, as it turned out, but um, for all sorts of different reasons. But uh, nevertheless, if you go back to 20, 2009, 2010, it was expected that there was going to be a sea change. Uh, and what that led us to was the view that, well, we didn't want to be beholden to anybody. Um, so why don't we think about creating our own movement? Um, and uh, we, ha- we were fortunate to have um, working with us, uh, Johannes Janka, who is um, um, the closest to a genius that I'll ever work with, yeah, probably. Um, Eastern European watchmaker um, worked for uh, worked for companies like Lang and Son um, before he came to us. He came. He, he 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 joined a company called Synergy Horlogerie, which was owned by um, a guy called Jörg Bader. And then we worked very closely with uh, Synergy uh, and Jörg and Johannes. And we funded and developed with them the Calibre SH-21. And then the businesses were so close, we decided to merge. Yeah? So we merged into, in, uh, with, with SH, and then we launched um, Calibre SH-21 to the world. Uh, and uh, yes, it was a... Um, it was a, 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 a really incredible journey. Um, Led by um, led by Johannes, but involving a lot of very clever people, um, some really great partners helping us create the componentry. We were using at the time really innovative ways to um, create components, u- utilizing um, medical suppliers who were very adept at producing high caliber um, steel componentry, but had never been used for watches before. Wow. And so we, in just over four years, and at a fraction of the normal cost, um, we were able to deliver Calibre SH-21 on July the 2nd, 2014. Um, and uh, one of the things that marks out a good movement, you can only tell if you've got a good movement probably after about five years. It takes about five years of a cycle so that you know how reliable it is, how robust it is, what sort of problems people have with them, how easy to repair are they, et cetera, et cetera. And hand on heart, uh, I'm very proud to say that our own movement of of the movements that we use, um, ETA, Salita, famous movements, Calibre SH-21 outranks them in terms of its robustness and its reliability. Nice. Cool. And that's that's down to the guys, you know, particularly the original design of Johannes, but also then the work that people like our technical director, Frank Stelzer, have done to keep refining and, you know, finding a problem and fixing it and improving it. And every year the movement has been improved. Um, and we now have a, a, a sensational movement. And it's going to be celebrated in um, in the autumn with a new watch that um that will be uh, that will in, will have the uh, calibre sh21 in it that mm. we're uh, which will open up we hope the the, move, the movement in a in a whole new way so people can see 
the glory that is uh, Calibre SH-21, more than they've ever seen before. So we're very Can't excited. Wait. Right on. Can't right. wait. Speaking of new watches, let's talk mm-hmm. about the new C sixty three Sealander collection. Boy, we're never going to get round to it. <laughs> oh man, no, we have to talk about it. <laughs> what can you tell us about it, and how is it yeah. different than the rest of the current collection? Sure. Um, this is this is this is this is one of those um, areas that uh, I, as I, as I think about it now, I wonder how how it's taken so long. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be we can't be as smart as we thought we were. That's for sure. Um, we've created uh, we're, we're we're creating really strong platforms, um, and the C60 Trident contemporary dive watch um, is a is is a is a really strong platform for us in contemporary dive. And it you know we we run a number of models off that platform off that light catcher case that we developed initially for the uh, for the C60. We then went to the C65, which is a again a light catcher case, but is a retro design. So the, the light catcher design is softer, um, it's mellower, it's more to do with that sort of 50s, 60s vibe. Um, and so it's the, the edges of it aren't quite as dynamic, um, but it's still a light catcher case which um, you know is is um, is our sort of uh, one, one of the things we we, we we kind of own as a property, which Adrian uh, Bookman, who I was talking about earlier, he 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 developed this light catcher case um, mm. took took quite a long time, and uh, it was inspired. I, I'm very lucky to have um, very fortunate to have uh, an Aston Martin, and um, wow, nice. It's, mm. um, um, it's the DB9. And if it didn't have an engine in it, I would hang it on the wall because <laughs> it's, uh, because it's I, I've always loved the lines of that particular Aston Martin. And so when um, when we were talking, this is going back several years now, three, four years, maybe five. When we started to first talk about creating a completely new case architecture, um, my brief to him actually actually. <laughs> I, I threw that ah, on the table. Mm. Threw that on the table. This is a a model cast of uh, the DB9, and I said to him, "I want you to capture this in a watch case." Cool. And so um, he he we worked on it. He worked on it, and and as you will know, um, with sports cars, with all cars, in actual fact, car design is really interesting because. The design of a car, even these days with SUVs, what they look to do is create lines on the car that make the car look like it sits lower on the on the road. Yeah, because this is all about speed. It's all about you know making it look faster. And we wanted to capture. And they use light. They use lines. They use facets to do that. Yeah. If you look at really great car design, it has the most incredible. Race lines that capture the light and throw light off it. That all all is designed to make it look as if it sits lower. And so that was the target. So um, the light catcher case is a really innovative case. Um, and I'm to be honest, I, I'm I think the industry is really lazy about cases. 
you know, if I see another slab-sided case, I'm going to shoot myself. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's just really dumb, you know. And what we wanted was a beautiful piece of architecture that had a purpose. And Adrian created this light catcher design, which is sharpest in the C60 because that's the di- the most dynamic tool watch end of the spectrum. As I say, the C65 is the is the uh, the retro dive collection and therefore a slightly softer line, probably a bit more like the DB9 in actual fact. The C63 Sealander, which we're launching the collection on, it sits somewhere in the middle. Yeah, um, it's more dynamic than the C65 light catcher case, and it's uh, and it but it's not as sharp as the tool watch environment of the um, of the C60. But these watches, so built are, built firstly on the case design, yeah, um, and then the most important part of a watch, as we all know, is is the the dial and the handset, right? right. that gives the watch its its appeal. And the story of the Sealander, we were working on and still are working on, but we haven't cracked it to the point where I think it's good enough yet, um, different enough yet. We're, we're working on. Um, on an integrated watch design, yeah. Oh, okay. integrate integrated as you guys know only too well is, you know, I mean, Royal Oak set the set the standard pretty high. Um, everybody's been piling in with their versions. Um, we we will we will we will we will probably do one, um, but we have to find something that's a very Christopher Ward way of delivering that idea, and. We weren't happy. This is two and a half years ago. We weren't happy that we were going in the right direction. But what it led us to believe, and this this is a, this is a, sort of an interesting insight into are you a strapper, are you a bracelet? Work. Oh, okay. What integrated watches have done is they've moved the dial even more towards bracelet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rolex, we know, are the standard for bracelet. They don't do anything other than bracelet. But what has happened with with integrated is that it's moved the dial just that bit more towards people wanting to wear bracelet watches. And when we thought about that, we did think about the arena of bracelet watches that sits right in that middle sector between retro and contemporary, which is, you know, you have to say Rolex have kind of cornered it with the Explorer and the Explorer 2, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Omega the Aquaterra, which is a nod towards the Explorer 2. And then everybody else, Seiko, all have their, their sort of uh, Explorer watches in that middle arena. We didn't have that platform. We didn't have that context. And so the Sealander is filling that really large piece in the middle between the retros and the contemporary dive watches. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really a go. I, I call it the every watch. It's that watch that... Um, that goes anywhere does everything it, it it'll 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 it's not a it's not a dive watch but it will go down to 150 meters you know it's not a dress watch but it'll look fantastic in any dress watch situation yeah it's sporty um it's adventure but it's also you know quite uh, quite formal in its way um so we're bringing out three models um the automatic at um 595 gb pounds um, um, we're bringing out the, uh, the GMT at 795 and then the elite version, which sits right at the top 
um, which is a a really stunning watch, which um, which is titanium chronometer wow. and has a piece of technological genius in it, which is a um, which is a retractable crown. Um, and uh, this is uh, this this works like um, like 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 any any pen. Um, you just press the crown and it'll pop oh, out. Oh wow! Yeah, and mm. you press it back in and it vanishes. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, oh wow! And it's uh, there are only the only watch of equivalence in the um, in the watch making canon at the moment is in fact the Omega Aquaterra Ultralight. Which I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with. Yeah, they just came uh, out and it's like forty five thousand. Yeah, no, some forty thousand. Yeah, forty thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. We'll be we'll be going out at um, eleven fifty. Yeah, incredible price. Cool. Uh, yeah. Bravo, by the way, um, your pricing is incredible for what you guys are offering. It's crazy. Well, it's it's very simple, Miguel. I mean, it's 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 this multiplied by three. Yeah, we we, we we're not clever enough to do anything else, yeah? So whatever it costs us, we multiply it by three. We don't multiply it by seven, eight, 10, 12, and certainly not 34 times, yeah? And so because we have this direct to the consumer model, any watch we do is at least, at least going to be half the price of any equivalent watch because they're, they're selling it into a retailer who has to have their margin, yeah? yeah. Yeah. And so you're guaranteed with us of at least having half the price, but because most of the big brands apply more than six times multiple, yeah, you're getting a much, much better value. So I can tell you, for instance, that the cost of that retractable crown, that tiny thing, is 12% of the total cost of the watch. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, expensive. so. <laughs> That's an expensive crown, but we'll only multiply that by three times in the selling price. Yeah? Um, so it's a very simple model that we've always lived by. Um, as I say, we're not clever enough to do anything different. But what it, what it, what it does mean is that you, you can be absolutely certain that what you're getting is, I defy anybody. There are loads of watches around that, that price and even 595 for the automatic. If somebody can bring me a watch at that price, that's as good as ours, I'll give them a free watch. Because it's when you get to hold and see our watches and wear them, and you see the level of detail that the teams go to create these watches, that's when you realize the difference. So that's, you know, we don't need to do lacquered dials, but we do, you know, um, because it makes it easier to read a watch if you have a lacquered dial. It's a really expensive process. Um, it's difficult to assemble because you've got to make you know, they, they attract dust like you've no, like nobody's business. So it costs more money to make it. You know, we don't have to uh, do different different polishings um, and finishings on the facets of um, of the indexes, but we do because that will bounce light off in a really interesting way and make the watch that you're that's on your wrist that you look at how many dozens of times a day every time you look at it you'll get something different off it yeah these are the little things that people like you guys understand about watches right that that, that most people don't but actually in where they'll know that it's an interesting thing on their wrist yeah you know we don't we don't sandblast our cases you know 
loads of people, you know, the, the case for the elite, the titanium, not sandblasted. It's, it's hard to polish wow. and finish titanium, but it's worth doing because it gives you, it gives a life to, to the thing that you're wearing on your wrist. And yeah. that's, that's what we try and do. It's no compromise, you know, push hard, work hard, um, go, go to the edge of the envelope, push those boundaries. And then if you're lucky, you'll create something that has real value and that people will cherish and love, even if they don't even know why. And that's what we're about. That's what we try to be about. It's great. And you could tell, I mean, just, just by, again, I've never held one of your watches in the metal, but from what I hear and what I see in the pictures and the videos, and I know mm-hmm. that they don't do it any justice, but it's always positive, you know, and, and that's what we were definitely excited. I'd, to l- I'd love to, I'd love to, I, I believe we're, we're, we're sending you a C60 Trident, I think, you know, so when you, when you have it, I'd really love to hear from you. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and don't be. And if if you don't think, um, you know, I know you'll tell me, but I, I'm confident that you'll know that you've got something special in your hand, um, and that's that's what it's about. It's about trying to create something memorable, not just produce another watch. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this last question before we're a little over an hour, but uh, thank you for taking the time and we'll, we'll part uh, with this question. By the way, uh, when is this new collection dropping the Sealander? Uh, it uh, launches on the 29th of April. Okay. And it will be available online for people to buy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You Sounds won't have to wait you. five. Years. You won't have to wait five years for them. <laughs> you could buy people they're available so no let me let me ask you this uh because this is important to us because again a lot of a lot of smaller brands uh or people that want to start a brand uh, maybe watching this maybe listening to this so what advice do you have for anybody wanting to start a watch company um be bold two things really be bold yeah um go your own way because to be different is something that's often 40 millimeters across, yeah, is hard. So yeah. to stand out, you've got to find something different, yeah? You've got, to, you've got to find something different. And the second thing is make sure you've got enough cash <laughs> because <laughs> cause, cause setting up a watch brand ain't a cheap thing to do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so, so, but just work hard to find something that's got longevity, that's different. And if it's different enough and you believe in it, you go for it, but just make sure that you can fund it. Cause you'll, you'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a journey, but be it's a great journey. Be, be bold. Be, be bold. bold and get that capital. Yeah. Spot sure. on. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, before we we really let you go, we we like to talk about other things aside. I mean, you could talk about watches, but we like talking about other things just so everybody can yeah. get a feel of who you are, Mike, and and what you're into or whatnot. So, it, it platform is yours. You could talk about or something you want to recommend or not recommend or food, movie, whatever you want. All right. Okay. Um. What am I into? Um. I'm into um, football uh, and uh, and music. 
primarily. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. Uh, have been for many years. Um, and uh, for those who haven't, I mean, Bob is, uh, Bob is 80 in May, would you believe? Mm-hmm. May, when Bob goes, that's a big day. Right. Because the, right. the culture that, uh, that we are all part of, um, to a large extent, was, uh, was created by people like Bob Dylan. The Beatles, but Bob Dylan, yeah? Um, so the fact that we are all here today talking about watches and the way we're talking about them, to some, somewhere down the line, Bob has influenced that. Um, so I'm a huge Dylan fan. Um, um, uh, and uh, if anybody hasn't heard the album he brought out um, in lockdown one, um, rough and rowdy ways then go and find how how good a 79 year old and how um, <laughs> how, how on the button a, 90, a 79 year old can still be and that's the measure of real success that he's still relevant and writing fantastic relevant music um, at, at, in his in his 80th year yeah bravo um, oh, yeah. legendary legendary uh, and then if you're if you're looking to support the best football team in the world you have to support everton football club um um who are my team yeah? okay and, uh, i can i can see the blank looks on your faces that who the hell are they <laughs> yeah we're not into i'm not into sports at all so you're not into sports at all i think what you're talking about we call soccer correct you call soccer yeah yeah right, you call right, soccer right Right. The, the correct word is football, but you know, football. Uh, <laughs> in Mexico we call yeah, we, it football. We, so, Piros, yeah, right. yeah, football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, in Mexico, guy, you know, all of you, Mexico's football mad. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. And in, in Mexico, they're crazy, just like you guys. I mean, it, it, everybody's hardcore. And if yeah. you don't, it, it's it's so crazy, Piros, that if you well, it's like like football for us, like American football. Right. If you don't go for the team and you're an opposite team or you're like the the rivals like people go crazy over there in mexico man they they get into fights and they don't like you <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah so and then poetry is uh, my other passion i like poetry. Um, oh, okay so, very nice very polished uh, yeah, uh, if, if your if your listeners are looking for um for some interesting uh, interesting poetry to read, I would recommend. Um, I've just bought the full collection of W. H. Auden, who was an interesting Anglo-American. Um, okay. He, he, he had dual citizenship. Uh, cool. Uh, actually, um, but uh, W. H. Auden is a great poet, and um, I would recommend anybody uh, to read uh, some of his stuff. There you go. Cool. Very cool. P. Ross, got anything? Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, I learned this week that my favorite artist, they're releasing a new album for him, Prince. Um, ah, great artist. Uh, it's called Welcome to America, and it was supposed to be released in 2010, but okay. he never released it. He went for an album actually called 2010 that was just released in France. So Welcome to America is supposed to talk about some of the social injustices in America and things that were going on at the time that was crazy. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think that comes out July 29th. So it's, it's going to be a screamer and also uh mortal Kombat. Oh, saw it last night. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for nobody. I know a lot of people have been saying it was going to be trash, 
but I have to highly disagree. This movie was great. It was great. So we just got HBO because there's so many good movies coming out. Yeah. Right? So like the Justice League with uh, yeah. Schneider. The Zack Sh- Schneider. Uh, that was good. Yeah. I, I've only seen, I saw part one and we stopped because yeah. my, my son, I guess it was too long for him, but we saw Mortal Kombat and he's five years old. He knows nothing about Mortal Kombat. Actually, he saw the video game and he was hooked. And I mean, probably not a not a good thing for a five year old to be looking at, right? All his blood and gore and fatalities and whatnot. I don't know, Mike, if you know what Mortal Kombat is, but I do, I do, okay. I do. <laughs> it's uh, but yeah, the movie. Um, so the classic for me was the nineties because I was a I was a kid, but it was kind of cheesy. But yeah, this one was it was interesting. Not yeah. great. But it was I interesting. It, I, I mean, I, I will great. watch part two. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. It brought back memories. I was like, oh yeah, is that you know this person? I'm not going to spoil right. it, but is that this character? Is that that character? Brought yeah. back memories, you know. But Mike, um, where can people find you? I don't know if you want to give your your personal account or information or just Christopher Ward, but where can people find? Uh, well, they, they can find they can find my um, my email address on our website where uh, we encourage custom our customers to contact me. Uh, I, I, and I'll always get back to them um, okay. because that's the way we uh, that's the way we roll um, and uh, that's at christopherward.com so um, okay, cool. cool sounds good P. Ross Ross wristwatch love everywhere YouTube Facebook and uh, Instagram and check out the SoCal Watch Reviews Facebook page podcast it's off the chain we're doing big things over there Sounds good. And you can find me at SoCal Watch Reviews on YouTube and uh, Instagram, of course. And if you type in SoCal Watch Reviews on Google, this should pop up the, the podcast. And any Spanish speakers, Relojando is my Spanish YouTube channel where we do the same thing as English. I just speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, but Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go check them out. Incredible brand, incredible mission. And we look forward to speaking to you again because, man, you, you got some great things coming. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a pleasure to spend uh, part of my Sunday with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And everybody out there, stay humble. <laughs> <laughs>